Bienvenue dans l'Alcove, présenté par Théo Taxi. Aujourd'hui, notre invité, Corey Shapiro. Welcome to the Alcove, presented by Théo Taxi. Today, our guest is Corey Shapiro. So, even though he owns several companies, uh, Corey is mainly known for his vintage frames company, which has been offering the world's largest collection of exclusive vintage glasses to local and international clients for more than 10 years as well as his Versace-esque notorious barbershop. Uh, in fact, even though the company's flagship is a Montreal Saint-Henri neighborhood, Shapiro maintains solid connections with the world's elite, including Jay-Z, Lady Gaga, Rick Ross, Pharrell Williams, and Jimmy Fallon. Corey Shapiro is an artist entrepreneur, and his art is business. Corey, thank you for joining us in the alcove today. Thank you. So the way that I like to start the interview Um, especially with somebody like you that's a little mm. bit of an enigma, I would say, mm. is a fast round of questions. Okay. So I'll ask you questions. You answer the first thing that comes to mind, mm -hmm. and it'll help us get into the interview and get to know you a little bit better. So I will start. How many hours do you spend at the store at each of your different businesses in Montreal a week? Varies completely. The least to the most? Uh, least at the juice bar, most at Vintage. Okay. Where's the last city you visited? <laughs> uh, I don't know. L.A. Uh, person you speak to most often on the phone? Uh, two chains. Best thing about Montreal? The ladies. Worst thing about Montreal? The ladies. <laughs> First thought you had when waking up this morning? Bathroom. Um, what do you never leave the house without? My pen on my hat. Celebrity, cre celebrity crush you had when you were a kid? Came true. You won't tell us who it is? I mean, I, don't know. I, thought, you, I thought you did your research. Oh. <laughs> uh, favorite TV show of all time? Uh, Rude Dog and the Dweebs. Favorite article of clothing, footwear, accessory? Pen. The one item that you own that is worth the most? My watch. Favorite musical artist? Oh, um, shit. Right now. Michael Jackson. Uh, project you're most proud of? Uh, my children. Business idea you wish you had had? Um, bottled water. Montreal or you admire? Um, the guy who sells the flowers on Saint Laurent. And a woman entrepreneur that you respect. A woman entrepreneur that I respect. Uh, a current? Mm hmm. Hmm. Woman entrepreneur that I respect. Um, or past, past or present. Um, Diane von Furstberg. Right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, you're one flashy dude. I don't, you have, I don't think so. Generally, that is the opinion that people have about you. So you okay. have a gold BMW, mm -hmm. you hang out and work with a bunch of celebrities, mm -hmm. you hop on a plane once a week to go have sushi in New York, mm -hmm. but you're also very bright, you're very articulate, 
and you're very considered in your thoughts and decisions that you make. Mm-hmm. Um, you're educated and you're a successful family man. Who is Corey Shapiro? Who am I? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was watching, um, my best friend passed away. He died of an overdose. He was this DJ, DJM, right? And um, last night I got to, I finally brought myself to watch his interview, which he, we put out this documentary and this, and this whole thing. And, um, you know, the one thing that him and I had in common was that, um, that I'm, I'm a person that at fault or to the fault will never be satisfied. So there's never anything that I can do that's going to be good enough. There's never anything that I could um, fail at that will stop me. I'm just, I'm, um, I'm an unsatisfied individual constantly. That's who you are. That's who I am. Um, is the Corey Shapiro that we see on social media the real Corey Shapiro? Yeah, the only reason that I'm successful on social media is because it's, you know, it's the, it's as real as it is, you know? Um, not being satisfied and looking for satisfaction all day long. Um, you know, you have to decide in life if you want to be right or if you want to be happy. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't give a shit about being right. I just, you know, want to be happy. So, um, you know, I don't know what's right and what's wrong. I just know that whatever I'm going to do or whatever I'm going to put out there is going to be as transparent as possible. And, you know, whether people want to take it or leave it, take it or leave it. The interesting thing about me is there's zero middle ground. Either people love me or they hate me. There's very few people that are like, yeah, he's like, mm, whatever. You know, very strong opinions either way. So you're saying that for you, the most important thing is happiness. What does that mean? What is happiness to you? Uh, variety, I guess. You know, on a constant search for things. It could be one thing one day. It could be another thing another day. Um, you know, embracing failure is a huge uh, part of my happiness. Um, happiness is, a, is, a, is an unattainable quest. Um, you have a certain look, obviously, but there's one thing that doesn't seem to change, and that's the pen on your hat. That's right. What is that about? Um, so there's, you know, there's, there's, there's two honesties to it, um, and they all stem from the fact that the pen is mightier than the sword. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, very, I'm often alone because I'm, I'm very... Um, I'm very well traveled. I have security generally because the amount of stuff that I carry with me right. and my jewelry and stuff like that. But my, you know, I can uh, I can disarm someone or a situation with with my words mm-hmm. quickly, you know. And um, it's a skill that I have that. Um, that some people aren't as lucky to have. So, you know, my pen and my words becomes my sword. And also, I've been trained that my pen is my sword. So if, if someone, if I'm going to actually physically be tried, then as someone would have a gun on them, this is pretty much the same. So it's, it's my pen is my mighty sword, you know, mm-hmm. cliche of things, is the honest truth of it, you know. You can go, I can go into a club and someone tries me for my watch or my chains or stuff like that. Well, you searched me at the door, but you left 
you know, the greatest weapon. And uh, that's, that's the sick honesty of it. Like you'll take it off and... Well, I mean, I, you know, I have security training and stuff like that. It's not everyone that travels with a million dollars worth of glasses and chains and jewelries comfortably on their own through hoods in the world, mm-hmm. you know? You have to have some confidence in, in something you do. Right. Um, so you travel a lot, yeah. but you are based in Montreal. I am. And I'm, a lot of people find that a strange choice. It is strange. So you've said that one of the greatest reasons, you know, to stay in Montreal is that it's, it's the cost of living is very low. It is. And it allows you to be able to save money. Mm-hmm. But don't you think that the potential to make even more money would be so much greater if you were to establish your business somewhere like New York, like LA, like Miami? Mm-hmm. Well, it is established there. You know, they are established. And, you know, you have all these guys who run around to do and to make money in New York. The potential of savings very little. LA, it's a little bit better. Um, I've I've made it so that the clients that I have, I can control their time when I go to other places. So, yo, I'm in Miami. I'm here for da 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 this amount of days. I I got this on me. That's it. You know, so I can control people's time, who you probably couldn't control in in life. You know, mm-hmm. and Montreal is a city that's been heavily abandoned. Yeah. Um, it's been heavily abandoned by people. It's a shitty business atmosphere. Yeah. They do shitty things to the road. The government here is shitty. The language barriers are shitty. You know, someone wants to pay us in fucking, you know, and they, and they talk some rare, you know, tribal language. Man, we're going to fucking figure out how to speak that language. You know, here they want to put up, you know, all these different, you know, hurdles for people to jump over, you know, and the difference between us is while other people are sometimes finding how to climb, some people finding how to jump, we're kicking them fucking over and there's not a thing that the government can do about it. And and it's taken, you know, it's it's a bit of an aggressive stance on things, especially coming from an optical company, which is basically what we are. But um, you're a multiple business owner in Montreal, so you know yeah, the but it reality. Doesn't, but you know so but the, the multiple businesses that I own are really just to do things that I want, you know? So I couldn't find the haircut in Montreal, so I built a barbershop. I couldn't find the type of juice that I wanted to build, drink, so I built a juice bar. I'm, I'm getting tired of flying to New York for sushi, so I'm going to make a sushi place and bring in the chef that I like. So I'm trying to provide concepts here that I, I use other places in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I'm comfortable enough and that people are comfortable enough to do it. You know, in Montreal, um, Montreal needs a kick in the ass, you know, and... Um, do you think it still has potential? I, I, I don't know. I, you know, you have to define what potential is. Potential is in people, not in places, you know. We, we get, you know, people have smoke-bombed our businesses. Yeah. But imagine smoke bombing a business where everyone looks and goes, oh, Corey got pyrotechnics. You know, like people tried to, uh, what did they try to do? Uh, they pepper spray, tried to pepper spray us. Well, we own a glasses business, so that was pretty fucking stupid. Um, you know, they, they spit on our windows. Well, that's cool because my employees are lazy sometimes. So if there's spit on it, for sure they're going to fucking clean it. You know, it's, it's just the whole, the whole thing's ridiculous. 
You know, it hasn't and deterred you from wanting no, to keep you your know, business and, here. No, and the last thing you want to do when you, when you want to try to get us uh, away is to hand us a mic. So break our windows and put cameras on us, and it's a fucking wrap. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, could, you couldn't have done the wrong thing to us, you know? Yeah. Um, so do I think Montreal has potential? No, I think, I think as a city it doesn't, but I think the people do. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, How do you find Montreal? I mean, I have a bias because for me, it's the city where I grew up. My family's here. My friends are here. So you like to be safe. Right. Right. But if it wasn't for those things, mm-hmm. I would seriously question being here. Mm-hmm. And if I was an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. I don't know that I could do it here because there's so many you know, hurdles that you have to go through already as an entrepreneur that mm-hmm. what this kind of government, you know, puts in place is very difficult to make a business successful. And you've said it's been really hard. Like this city doesn't support entrepreneurs the way that it could. No, but what the city does is exactly what you just said, because basically you just feel safe here and it breeds a false sense of safety for mm-hmm. people. And that's why it's stagnant because people, you know, are afraid to go and do and they don't feel that sense of uh, security, you know, and that's, vi- you know, you go to other places in Canada and other places in the U.S., you don't have that. You know, I didn't realize this was an actual issue, but you've had to deal with a lot of profiling in Montreal. When you got your car, mm-hmm. you got a lot of heat from the police. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Um, so the police here... Um, well, the profiling actually started before. So okay. we have a secret agency in Montreal called Eclipse. So Eclipse is a drug, a drug and crime task force. And um, what they do is they go into businesses, normally nightclubs, which I don't particularly frequent, and they will harass people to the point of either getting them upset or to see you know, who's where, what, spending money and all this type of stuff. And, um, before my car, when I would go to uh, a club, like I went to, um, it actually started at a boxing match. My friend is Jean Pascal, who's like a local international boxer, let's say. And I was, you know, I always thought it would be cool to sit like Frank Lucas on the floor in a, you know, big fur coat and chains. And naturally, that's what I wear anyway. So, you know, he thought it was as funny. And so we went and, um, they, st- the police or this eclipse unit came and they were interviewing. They stopped me outside the after party and said, "Hey, you know, uh, how much are your shoes? It's a dollar. Why are you my fucking accountant? Like, what is it? What, what do you give a shit? What it is? Well, why haven't we seen you before? It's like I don't even know who the this fuck. This is in Montreal. Yeah, I'm like I don't even know who the fuck you are. And the funny part about it is, I'm with the owner of World Star Hip Hop, which is the most obnoxious CNN esque webpage in the world and he's recording this and it's becoming like an Abbott and Costello routine and you know when they go to touch my jacket it becomes me up against them because either you're going to arrest me or you're not so we go into the uh, bar and now they have the whole team watching me and I've pulled up in uh, not the gold car I had I think I had my rolls outside and I parked it right in front, and they were giving it tickets, and that was fine because it was cheaper than parking anyways. And they were watching me the whole night, and it started, 
it really started with me antagonizing them. So I looked at the bartender and I said, line me up shots, but line me up about 20 shots of Perrier and I'm going to drink them. And he's like, all right, cool. So you know, oh, I'm drinking the shots and I'm, I'm just waving to them and the whole thing. And I walk out to the car with the owner of World Star Hip Hop and start the car and they stand in front of the car. They swarm the car and they go, oh, you're under arrest. I said, you sure? Yeah. We'd like to give you a breathalyzer. Give me the breathalyzer. They said, hey, they're whispering, you blew no alcohol. I said, no, I don't, don't really drink. But we watched you drink. I said, no, you watched me do exactly what I wanted you to watch me do. And you've been filmed with this, so let's decide how we're doing this. I'm going to need either an apology or you're going to have to apologize to everybody. And that was the way this whole thing started with them. And then when they got the car, the car, they kept on thinking I was a drug dealer. And I was trying to explain to them fiscally and mentally and visually, if I was a drug dealer, the last thing I would do would drive a gold car, right? Yeah. I mean, because you're pre pretty fucking stupid at that point, you know? And so they stopped me a whole bunch of times. And when they stopped me, I wear... Um, I wear and collect a brand called Bathing Ape, and it's all camouflage, and I really like camouflage in my life. And my son's not old enough to decipher the types of camouflage. So he looked at the police officer and said, hey, Dad, he's wearing Bape. <laughs> you know, and because they wear these stupid fucking pants. And he made a comment to them, and then I wrote something on Instagram, and then journalists and everything you know, wanted to go against it. And... What was interesting about it is the police wanted to try to get me and they wanted to try to skew the words so that I thought it was racial profiling. So they wanted to catch me to basically say that so that they could say, oh, this guy has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. And that mm -hmm. wasn't it. Um, so the profiling of it in the city, the, part of the problem in the city is, you know, these like cookie cutter molds that people feel is you know, appropriate or inappropriate. And I've been kind of fighting that since I'm a kid, not for the point of fighting it, just because I really don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I walk in New York, yes, I stand out. But do I stand out to the point where the police are gonna stop me? No. no. You know, and what, you know, if a police officer asked me, grabbed my chain and asked me how much I paid for a chain in New York, I, I would just hand him the chain and then sue him. I'd be, you know, filthy rich. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's, it's a very backwards thought process in Montreal, you know, and it's that safety that, you know, that you were mm -hmm. kind of showing that people, you know, feel and that they've made them feel scared. But I think that the, the bottom line is that you, the businesses that you have really do bring value to the city. I think people know the company Vintage Frames. They know that it comes from here and you have put, to a certain extent, you've put Montreal on the map. In pop culture, yeah. not in you know. There's other companies that put it. Mine. Yes, you're not Montparnasse. You're not Slipsay, no. but I might be. Maybe. I might be. We'll find out what you're up to next, uh, a little bit later on. I might be. Yeah. Um. So you know, you talk about social media and how important it is to you because it is your brand. Has mm. it allowed you to access a different type of customer than you normally would have had? Um. I mean, it has and it hasn't, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, um, it's allowed my business to grow, mm -hmm. but it's, it's kind of sealed my fate because 
I am my business. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm too easily associated with them. And what happens when I'm disassociated with that image? Because you operate as vintage frames. Well, I am vintage frames. Right. Right? I mean, on Instagram. I mean, in life. I'm actually probably going to be changing my name to vintage frames. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Well, people call me vintage all the time, so I figure, fuck it. Why not do it? I think it would be pretty funny. My wife doesn't think it's as funny <laughs> as, I, as I do, but, you know. Why not? Mrs. fucking frames. It's, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. And Quebec, you can't change your name. Uh, well, that's, that's why I have residences other places in the world. I'm, I'm a citizen of Quebec, but I'm a citizen of other places, too. Hmm. Yeah. A citizen of the world. You know, yeah. Um, bottom line is you know how to run a business, and a big... No, I have no idea how to run a business, actually. Really? Yeah, I have none. I have, no, I don't. And, that, and that's the bottom line. The bottom line is that I'm ballsy enough to make a decision and take accountability for the actions, whether it's good or bad. So do I know how to run it? No. I mean, Ma Mary Ev works for me. She knows how to run a business better than I do. I just know how to do what I do. And, mm -hmm. and what I do is just try to live, really. So you have the vision and you surround yourself with people that can keep it the business model sustainable? To us, no. You know, it, I mean, except for Mariev coming from, a, from owning her own business, every single person that works at every single one of my companies, unless they're in a technical atmosphere, mm -hmm. is completely, completely unqualified. Completely. Not one of them are qualified to do what they're doing. The barbers? Uh, technical. So they, okay. they obviously are. But everyone else isn't, uh, you know, and what they've been trained to do under us is to know that they're allowed to make a choice and just be accountable for it. You know, and if you would if you would look at textbook businesses or if you would, you know, be able to be a fly on the wall when I talk to banks, um, nobody understands it. Nobody understands But they still um, give you funding. No, I don't take funding from anybody. No. No, I'm completely self funded. Yeah. I don't I don't use I have a credit card. Um, I don't believe in credit, really. I keep a low limit on it to the point where I'm, I could pay off my credit card 10 times in a day. Um, but no, I don't, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't owe anything to anybody, so I don't want to fucking take banks. To me, that's the easy way. You didn't study business, but you did study. You went to FIT? I did some courses, some take-home courses from FIT. Okay. I got asked to, le to leave LaSalle College with a, um, a non-disclosure agreement because my company was, at the time, it's defunct now, but I started a brand called Urban Freakout. Mm -hmm. And it was a really bad name and like the whole premises of it was that you weren't allowed to wear sweatpants in school. And at the time I was so stoned that it was like, if you, were, if you weren't getting me in sweatpants, you weren't getting me at all. And before any of these companies, um, like Von Dutch or any of this came back with these like mesh hats. I wore this trucker hat and the teacher was so aggravated with me. She was like, well, if you think you're so fucking smart, then why don't you start a, you know, a company based around it? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I, I did it. And the logo, the whole point was, you know, people would, you could buy two types of designs. You could buy designs that were a platform where we would give artists much like you guys do here at Mural, um, a canvas. And you could, you know, help push them around the world, or you could buy the logo. If you bought the logo, you didn't get the point of the company. So the logo was a U with a backwards F, 
And it was done so that when I would give it to my teacher and she looked in the mirror, the urban freak out turned to fuck you. And it was, I just thought it was amusing. So I had this company that got so popular um, that every time there was an interview that was written about me, I would just go at LaSalle College to the point where they were like, well, you gotta go and we'll not talk about it and you don't talk about it for 10 years and we'll sign your diploma and the whole thing and I could go home and So it's been 10 years and you can talk about it. Oh, it's been (laughs) way more than 10 years. And then a professor, so the only thing in fashion that really um, is true, again, not on a technical side, is history, right? Because you can't undo history. Mm -hmm. And history, because people are um, not as intelligent as they really seem or as innovative, repeats itself. Um, or at least in a variation. So I figured if I could just learn the historical aspect of it and become a fashion historian, that that would be the truth. And while people were trying to do their marketing and learning how to merchandise and do PR and all this bullshit, it's like either you have it or you don't. So that's how I ended up with, with FIT. So I found a fashion history teacher that thought it was arrogant enough to be taught what she and he knew. Are you still in contact with them? I am. I am. I have a lot of teachers that, um, especially my high school teachers, they tend to move a lot throughout the years, but every article that I get, um, I usually send it to their house, stuff like that, and just to really like grind it into them. Yeah. It's a bit invasive, but fuck them. Did you ever hear back from them? Um, yeah, what, what, I heard from one of their husbands, and uh, he wasn't too happy, but I don't think he was happy the outcome of that conversation. Um, I've seen, I've heard from them through people, yeah. It's kind of, you know, my opus. So if you were tasked with teaching an entrepreneurial class today, yeah. which is probably not something you would choose to do, mm-hmm. what would you teach your students? What advice would you give them? I wouldn't give them any advice. What the fuck do I know? I wouldn't, you know, what's my threshold for pain and for failure is different than other people's. Some people fail and they want to hide under a rock. You know, I want to fail and make it public. You know, you can't, business you can't teach, really. You know, it's either you know how to, it's either you know how to survive or you don't. You know, you throw someone into a cage with lions, you either have someone who gets eaten or someone who creates a circus. And there's only really two types of people. So, you know, who am I to tell someone what they're going to do? Fair enough. What was your first experience as an entrepreneur? Um, my first experience. My first experience was when I was 13. No, 13. I, eBay ha- didn't exist at the time. And I realized that... Um, the one good thing about Quebec was that you had French on all their packaging and in, and in collectible atmospheres like Star Wars figures or uh, Beanie Babies, you could, um, you could basically sell the French ones for more to the English people because they thought you could convince them it was more, it was, you know, more rare. The internet, you had to fucking dial up and as soon as someone called, you were getting cut off anyways. So we used to run these auctions, and um, they were email auctions, and we would send it to people, and, and everybody would win. So it didn't matter if it was a value of 500 bucks, just 
yeah, everyone was winning, and it was it was fucking great. Um, it wasn't the most legal of things, <laughs> but um, that's how that's how I started. Um, and then I helped invent um, bags to make hash to isolate the trichomes, and basically. Uh, I was such a big smoker, which I'm not now, I haven't smoked a drunk probably in 10 years, um, that they were having problems isolating the THC from when they were making hash. So they had very archaic processes. And I owned a screen printing press at the time. And basically, with my knowledge of screen printing, we helped create these bags, which would catch the frozen THC, in essence. And that was uh, that. And then I um, started Urban Freakout. And uh, then I had a store in Saint Laurent, which was a miserable failure, selling sneakers. Sneakers. Yeah, it was so fucking bad that we had to throw after-hours parties every Friday and Saturday night to even survive. And then, so and then we found someone smoking crack in our hallway, and that was when that was like, I'm I'm cool on this. I'm gonna get out of that. And um, then I started Vintage Frames. Okay. Yeah, and. Here we are, sitting with you. And See, you? <laughs> I am not an entrepreneur. Well, you are yeah. in a bit. You're a, you work for Aldo. Mm -hmm. You have entrepreneurial skills. Sure. You're sitting here yeah. on your own agenda. Yeah. Entrepreneurial. Thank right? you. You're taking off your jacket. We're comfortable. We've got a Hawaiian breeze. <laughs> it's fucking popping. So I want to talk about your failures. Okay. Um, what you, if my failures are my successes? Hmm? What if my failures are my successes? Well, you, you mentioned something along those lines. So you often mm. bring up the sneaker store and how mm -hmm. it was a huge failure. And well, imagine a business where someone's smoking crack Agreed. in your stairs. It's a pretty big fucking failure, right? Um, but I guess to me it's like it was one of your very first businesses, your first legitimate business. No, it was, my, it was my first location business. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of expected when you're starting out that you might have a few fails before you succeed. Have you had recent failures. For sure. I'm about to take a half a million dollar loss on a juice bar. Yeah. Um, but is that a failure? I don't know. You know, just maybe next time I want to drink expensive juice, I'll go out and buy it instead of making a commissary to produce in a meth lab type atmosphere. You know, is that a failure? Yeah, you know, I'm taking a big financial hit, mm -hmm. but did I get it out of my system? Yeah, is that a win? Probably. You know, so yeah, my failure is a different failure. Right. You know, I would get fired from something that would be the start of a new beginning. Right. Not pondering an end, you know? And you've said that your, probably one of your biggest advantages mm -hmm. has been that people don't take you seriously. No, that's, it's, that's misread. It's not that people don't take me seriously. It's just that they do not know what's going to come out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. by the look what you cannot do is sum up what you're about to hear you know and I'm so diversified in um, classes and you know well-traveled that you really don't know what you're gonna get you know unless you know me or are a bit more researched on you know what I am and even at that point you know I could always say something fucking ridiculous mm -hmm. you know? but it has served you to a certain extent well, yeah, it's because it served as a downfall for the people that are embarking on the journey against me, or maybe not against me, but even with me. Um, 
so it's you know it's always funny well maybe it's just funny to me it's it's fu- it's funny for people to go in with some like set notion on who and what you are and be ready for that and then you know not be able to be diversified enough to flip that script so you're very adaptable i mean to a certain extent you know i think so mm-hmm. right we came in in a car you know, now we're sitting here. We have a fan. You were had a jacket and glasses. You're half naked at this point. I'm about to take off my shirt. This is going great. Um, did you have any mentors? I did. Who were they? Um, so one of my mentors in Montreal um, was this guy um, Sterling Downey, and he had a festival called Under Pressure, which he still has. Mm-hmm. He's an ex skinhead. Which is um, interesting. Given your. Well, you know, I'm like Jewish. I'm not, you know, Ish. like mo- most people, when you ask them what they are, a lot of the Jews in Montreal will respond Jewish. I'm Canadian. You know, Jew- Judaism is my religion. So mm-hmm. I'm not like, not in that, but I guess there's a little bit of an irony with it. And he, um, he was interesting because he was incredible. He's now like a. I don't want to say a congressman, but a townsman or whatever the fuck you call it. And he, he was an interesting guy because, you know, he believed in the talent that I had, mm-hmm. but he just would never shut the fuck up. He, was not, he would, could never monetize, and he would talk to people so much and talk and talk and talk and profess that while everyone was getting annoyed, I was just writing it down, basically. So I had surpassed him in my need to succeed in a certain way. So that was really like he was a mentor in bringing in showing me a little bit more of the industry that I wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mentor um, probably was uh, Adam Goldstein, DJM, who really put a different perspective on the fact that it was okay to to not be satisfied. And those other people that were looking for the same types of things, you know, and that I didn't have to you know, smoke an ounce of fucking hash a day just because I could and all this type of stuff. So um, I don't know that I would necessarily call them mentors, maybe colleagues, because I Mm -hmm. do believe that I taught them just as much about themselves as they taught me about myself. I think a true mentor-mentee relationship tends to be that you're teaching somebody, but you're also learning from them. It's the only way that it can really be sustainable. I mean, I guess. What do I know? You know, one of them is a fucking Congress guy, the other one's dead, so it's a a bit rough of a situation, right? Do you mentor anybody? I do. I do. Um, So I write this passage every day on Instagram. I I used to, so I take times to, um, I actually, I should back up on that. I used to write this passage every day. It's been about a month that I haven't um, because I wanted to change the format. Um, But I personally take the time to answer all these emails that I get. If you check my phone, I've missed about 55, 60,000 at any given time. I get bombarded with a gigantic amount of emails, and a lot of them are for kids who um, kind of feel lost and who are looking for, you know, they want to have this lifestyle that they think that I have, but the lifestyle that they think that I have. Like, it's not, I like chains and I like flashy watches and I'm like, I'm that type of dude. 
But there's nothing successful about that. And that's the wrong view of what it is. You know, the success is that I wake up every day and I have a staff that wakes up every day. And even though we might not see eye to eye, we're excited to be on time for work and we're, you know, we're excited to be places. So it got so crazy answering these emails, which I thought was like my job to do. Cause I always grew up with this, like this, like remembering Elton John and, uh, and Eminem doing this Stan, um, song together at this award show and that someone like killed himself cause he couldn't get in touch with them. There's a song about it called Stan and, and it, it always made me think that, you know, no matter who, what, when, or where, and whatever stage in life, that if someone's giving the chance or giving their time to reach out to you, that you should be approachable enough to reach out to them. So I started writing this morning inspiration thing every day, which took on a world of its own, and where people from all walks of life would tune in um, to maybe not the best written thing. Um, you know, my writing is quite good, but it's particular. Um, and I make a lot of spelling mistakes and stuff like that, but it's honest. So, you know, when I, in a non-pretentious way, I say that I mentor a lot of people. Um, and, you know, in a one-on-one manner, I will definitely take the time mm-hmm. to do that. And in your businesses locally here, are there people that you see huge potential in? In my businesses? Mm-hmm. Who work with me? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They wouldn't be there. If I, if I didn't see huge potential in them. Okay. So. Are you looking for a job? Was that the, was not that, yet. Was that the pitch? I'll, I'll, I'll keep I'll, in touch. Because <laughs> um, so, we, we don't do PR. Uh, we do RP okay. at our place. Yeah. So there's two types of entrepreneurs in my view. Okay. But you're wrong. Okay. Yeah. So there's people that kind of start with the premise that they don't want to work for anybody else. They want to work for themselves and okay. they'll do whatever they have to, to do. Little Napoleon complexes. Be in that situation. Yeah. And then there's people that have a great idea mm-hmm. and that want to see it come to life. Mm-hmm. What was it for you? Or uh, none of the it above? Was n- it was neither. It was neither. What do you think is more important? I, I, I think it's more important that you don't label what's important to other people fuck do I know what's important to someone else? What's, what's important to me is what works for me. You know, mm-hmm. if I gave someone my recipe, yeah. it doesn't mean you can make my cake. If you gave me your recipe, fuck, that shit might taste terrible when I'm done with it. You know, it's not... People who look for, for guidelines and mm-hmm. stereotypes are never going to make it. In, in Those are people that do. buy books about how to succeed in business. Okay. There's a huge... So, amount of people that I think are just looking for guidance. They don't okay. know how to get from A to B. Okay. And they're looking to people who have had success to learn but how what to do makes that. Someone, what makes my success important to someone else's? Nothing. You know, there, we're, I don't know how many we are in this room, but if we all fell the same, mm-hmm. none of us would get up the same. Doesn't mean that one's better than the other. So if I told people how I got up, it wouldn't mean that they that they should follow that step, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I you know I think all that self I think all that mentor or not mentor per se, but that you know business books stuff is is bullshit. I could show you a million MBAs that are coming through the door. Mm-hmm. They're more they're more educated than I am to 
you know, stereotypical business, could they run vintage frames? No, probably not. You know, could I run their Fortune 500 that they are hoping to be in? Definitely not. Right. You know, is one of us better than the other? No, but I'm probably happier than they are. You know, I can put a dunk tank outside my office and put my assistant in it because I think it's funny. I can buy an <laughs> old limo and play bumper cars on the train tracks with my other employees because we think it's funny. You know, can they do that? No, they go to, you know, my suit is a flip-flop that says, fuck you, you know. It's, is that for everyone? Maybe, you know, maybe not, right? Um, do you give back to the community? What do you mean by the community? Do you do any who's the, who's Okay, the let community? me rephrase. Do you, are you involved in any philanthropic work? Any what? Philanthropic work. Do you do philanthropy? Do, do, you, do I? Do you give back? I, I do. I do to, I do to any, we do to a lot of organizations. The only ones that we decline are ones that, that segment and exclude other people. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not big on Jewish organizations at all. Um, I'm, I'm not big on rabbis or priests or any of that shit. Um, I'm, big on, I'm big on community work. Mm -hmm. I'm big on things that don't exclude. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and in a lot of cases, I act like a Robin Hood for, you know, for certain organizations. Um, you know, I, the charity, the charity stuff's a very interesting thing with me, especially being from a Jewish community, Yeah. you know, because they have every fucking day, there's a new charity for this and that. And, you know, it's like a kid came in the other day, well, we're gonna help our Jews and our this and our that. And I said, okay, cool. I said, how many Arabs and how many black dudes are gonna be there? Any? None? I'm sorry, man, that's not, that's not my shit. I got, you know, well, you're not helping your people. You ain't my people. You know, you came in here and you're a gap looking fucking lifestyle. You're not my people. My people are, are people. You know, my people aren't defined by a religion or by a color or a race. And if that's how you feel that your people are, exclude me you know it's like the rabbi that came into my office and said you know hey uh, you know i heard you're getting married and i said well you a you heard wrong and he goes well what tribe are you from because there's different jewish tribes and i was like well to tell you the truth i'm from a tribe called quest and he's like he's like i'm so sorry i don't know of that one i'm like that's cool man i'm like you do your research and you come back when you you, you come back when you're fucking ready and you know the only days i'm here friday and saturday so fuck off you know so yes, I do. Do you do philanthropy or or what? Philanthropy, yeah. Yeah. What type? I don't do as much as I would like. Okay, and why is that? Uh, Seem like a roll up your sleeves, take off your jacket type of person. <laughs> um, because I I don't feel right now I'm working a lot with the uh, Museum of Contemporary Art, mm -hmm. but I want to find something that feels closer to me and my personal hardships. Okay because I feel like it'll be a better investment of time and energy. That's fair. And I haven't found that yet. Okay. Right. Um, what's next? Um, I'm probably, when I leave, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Okay, great. Yeah. Tell us about that. Um, sometimes I like to sit when I pee. Oh. Yeah. Um, do you have any projects that you've started that we're gonna see come to life soon? It depends where you are, as you know, for what you're gonna see. I got projects everywhere. I'm trying to, I'm trying to slow down a bit. 
Uh -huh. You know, to moderation, slow down. So give us something to look forward to in Montreal. That Me? you will be a part of, yes. I'm a part of it all, oh, right? Senor. I'm not. I mean, I show up. I'm a part. I tweet it. That means I'm, 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 I'm a part of it. I'm supporting something that I'm doing. Yeah, the sushi restaurant that you were talking about, is that going to happen? It is going to happen. But it's not really a restaurant. Well, it is a restaurant. It's a different concept? Yeah, it's a place where I can curate people that I want to sit with for two hours. Okay. Um, and, you know, in an eclectic type format and eat the sushi that I, that I want. I'm like, a, the one thing I'm a big snob with is sushi. Mm -hmm. um, like super snob and people might not like going to a restaurant with me if it's sushi because I will send it back and I don't like people who fuck around with my sushi in any way, shape or form. And I have a place in New York where I go and it's it's like my, it's an omakasa, which means mm -hmm. chef's choice. And and he's like kind of like the soup Nazi from Seinfeld, except he's like, um, he seems more Japanese than a Japanese person, but he's definitely whiter than a white person. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like fully tattooed and there's no kitchen. And so any every time I go down, it's tw 12 seats and I get 12 of my friends that would never normally sit together. So we can kind of curate some type of a conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's what the place is going to be and we're going to get sued for it because we're not going to have a MEV. And we're going to get sued for it because it's not going to be in a commercial space. And it's not going to be up to any code and it's not going to be to anything. And if people that I don't want to eat there, you know, want to eat there, I'm just going to, they're just not going to get the reservation. And it's going to be only open one day a week. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be two sittings, Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Um, because Wednesday, you can't get the fish flown uh, from Japan to New York, but you can get it here. So his restaurants close Wednesday. You're going to fly him here every Wednesday. Well, it's either that or I fucking fly there, so it's the same shit. But there's there's like um, there's uh, deals that you can get, which are two sixty round trip to New York. That's not really too much. No, that's great. No, it's like cheaper than taking a bus. So it is what it is. And um, but I don't know that that's so much of a project, more of more my insanity and just something I want to do for fun. Um, you know, we. I, I think that if I knew what to expect. Mm -hmm tomorrow from myself even that my company would be over i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna wake up thinking tomorrow last week at my country house or two weeks ago i was trying to airdrop a dock office so that i could work from the water in the country you know i didn't know that i was going to do that the night before it was just what i wanted to do you know today did that work out who knows it it was it was pretty close the guy never showed up but it was all <laughs> planned and it was it was ready and I think the guy was a little bit timid, yeah. To airdrop. No, no, the airdrop was his idea. Yeah. The purchase was my idea. The airdrop was his idea and it just never happened. Um, but I, I don't know, you know, who, who knows what I'm gonna wanna do tomorrow? And how much fun in life is it if you know what you're doing tomorrow, right? Like I could never, you know, you have a job at Aldo, right? Does everybody know she works at Aldo? They do now. Okay. <laughs> um, I could never do that. I could never show up for that, not because I can't show up, not because I'm not capable, just because it wouldn't make me happy, you know, and not because I'm working for someone. I would quite like to work for someone, um, just because that's just not my shit, because you know what you're going to do tomorrow, mm -hmm. and I don't want to know what I'm going to do tomorrow. 
I don't want to know who I'm going to meet. I don't know. I mean, I'm most probably going to eat sushi. That's the only thing that's pretty certain. Drink Perrier, you know, maybe get in trouble, step on a couple people's toes, get my toes stepped on, shit like that. But that's, that's life, right? Right? You know, up until I got here, I thought that the cool thing to do was to wear the love bracelet on the right wrist. Now you're showing me it's the left, right? Changed my whole shit today, right? You're going to move it? I am. I am. I am. Corey, yes. thank you for your time yes. and your generosity. Well, there's nothing generous. I'm just here talking to you. But I appreciate it. Thank you for your generosity. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank for you your guys time. for coming.